Our story begins in a time long, long ago, deep in an enchanted forest on the distant moon of Indo. Welcome to Now Playing's Star Wars Retrospective Series. The adventurers gather for a traditional Ewok ceremony. Hosted by Arnie. We just thought we weren't going to ever see you guys again. Stuart. I do not want to get in there. That place is for kitties. And Jacob. Come on, Cinto, they're animals. No, they're not. I like them. Come to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as they review another Star Wars film. Leading up to Episode 7, The Force Awakens. Come on, you guys. This is a neat place. This podcast will contain detailed plot spoilers. Don't worry. We'll be okay. Listener discretion is advised. The caravan is now complete. Yum yum. Today we're discussing the Ewok Adventure, otherwise known as Caravan of Courage, an Ewok Adventure, starring Eric Walker, Warwick Davis, Fianua Flanagan, Guy Boyd, Aubrey Miller, and Burl Ives. <laughs> Directed by John Cordy. This is Arnie, the now playing co-host who always wears the white wings of hope when going into a movie. Really, I hope it's good. <laughs> Can I borrow the red wings of nausea? It's Stuart in LA. And this is your co-host? Podcast co-host? Jacob. And here we are. Man, I feel like we're back in Incredible Hulk all over again. We are discussing a TV movie that we felt was worthy to release theatrically overseas. Oh, this actually did get a theatrical release? <laughs> Why does this always happen? Why does every long franchise have a dark chapter like this? Why can't we just go to Phantom Menace here? Why did Lucas go to television, what, a year after Jedi? Well... After Return of the Jedi, Lucas had thoughts about taking Star Wars to television. And he had this thought before. He did the holiday special. He, he was still going to entertain that? Well, that wasn't his. That wasn't his idea. That was people coming to him and offering him money. And he was raising funding for Empire and very busy building an empire. So he was like, yeah, go and didn't have any input. Okay, so he has input on this thing, then, is what you're saying. Oh, input. He came up with the story. He was on set all the time. He had to approve creature design. I mean, I think his hand was a little less up this director's butt than it was up Marquand's, but not much. Wow. Okay. Okay. And he just wanted to do a one-hour TV special. I wish that would have happened. I wanted that, too, watching this. He was looking at TV because of the budget. He didn't want the investment, both time and financial, of a theatrical movie. And he wanted to be able to go more niche, something with the Ewoks. He also had adopted a young girl who really loved the Ewoks at that time. So it was partially to indulge his daughter. And so eventually, through script rewrites and plotting, the one-hour television special became a two-hour movie of the week that aired on Sunday night in November of 84. I remember this airing. We were visiting family or something that Sunday night. So I had to videotape it. I had to watch it later. I didn't get to stay up and do that. But I caught it soon after it aired on TV on VHS. 
this is right before I began watching TV. Honestly, I never watched TV before my parents gave me a TV set in 1986. Before that, I have no idea what was on TV ever, what night of the week, what network. The only thing I had as a memory of this was a little girl in a headband. That's <laughs> all I could tell you. I, I cannot give you any more impression than that because I've never seen this movie and never thought I would. And I remember watching this live. It was Star Wars. It was 1984. I was 10 years old. I was still buying the toys. I'd gotten an Ewok playset for my 10th birthday. And I was there primed and ready for Star Wars. I don't remember much, but I remember not thinking it was that great. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember so much of this. Like, I could have, if I was pulling a Stuart here and telling you what I remembered, I think I could hit all the major plot points. Maybe that's because it scarred me. Like, next week we're going to talk about another Ewok movie that was on television. I never returned for that one. I never bothered seeing it because of this one. And even at a young age, it just struck me wrong. Huh. Well, I figured that young kids might appreciate this. I just want to know why we as grown adults have to go here. Yeah, and this actually, it got numerous home video releases. It got a Laserdisc release. I own those Laserdiscs. Oh, my. Netflix doesn't have this. No, it was released on DVD in 2004, right around the time they were building up and releasing everything they could going to Revenge of the Sith. And I bought it then, and I was in such hype leading up to Revenge of the Sith. Marjorie and I sat down, let's watch Ewoks. We didn't make it 20 minutes before we're like, yeah, this is ruining our love of Star Wars. Let's just put in a new hope and call it a day. <laughs> and those discs sat around. I remember not all that long ago on like a Black Friday, you know, how Walmart puts out just those bins for people to scavenge through for like $3 DVDs. I saw the Ewoks one in there. I'm like, oh, $3. Do I need another copy? Nah, I don't need another copy. It now goes for 80 to 120 used. Mm. Well, that's if you can find someone to buy that. Yeah, well, they sell for that to the collectors who missed out back in 2004. Was this a hit? Did it do good ratings? I mean, obviously it was big enough to get a sequel. I wasn't able to dig out Nielsen ratings from that time. However, remember from our Leprechaun series, I read Warwick Davis's autobiography? No, no, I don't remember most of that. <laughs> It was just a year ago, Jacob. I do remember you reading that, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, in his autobiography, there's a chapter called Return of the Ewok, where he specifically discusses these, and he said that this show broke TV ratings records. Now, I don't know if that means all time, like better than the Super Bowl. It more than likely means for a Sunday night ABC movie of the week. Yeah, I don't think this broke any other records, like real records. Like more people didn't tune into this than MASH. It was a great lead in for the Hardcastle and McCormick that they pushed to the 10 p.m. time slot. <laughs> <laughs> I actually watched the commercials. Yes, Hardcastle and McCormick at 10, a special time. And of course, Lucas being Lucas, I need to add, if we all watched the DVD releases, we did not see the television cut. Oh, good. We saw the new special uh, effects in there where they've updated them, right? Fortunately, no creepy blinking Ewoks, but yes. They got pupils, though. <laughs> Lucas has tinkered and done dialogue replacement in a few instances and, of course, added the new Lucasfilm logo at the beginning. So for purists... This is not what aired on ABC, but it's, you know, pretty darn close. Okay, well, I watched what was on YouTube. 
Yeah, so did I, because it's not available on Netflix, and it did not have that new Lucas logo. It had the old one. Yeah, they may have ripped the Laserdisc then, which is closer in not having that logo. A friend of mine, Nathan P. Butler, insists on collecting every format of every Star Wars movie released and documenting the differences, so he knows. (laughs) He also talked to me about the timeline. He's the keeper of the... Star Wars Timeline Gold, an online resource for Star Wars chronology that is actually, he's been contacted by Dark Horse Comics and Delray Books for chronology items. And Lucasfilm has a guy named Leland Chi who does it internally, but they've sometimes gone to Nathan for things like this. This is post-Jedi, isn't it? Well, that's where I was about to go. Eric Walker was a budding documentarian at this time because he was a kid on set and warwick davis was a kid on set and lucas took a shine to them he gave them both cameras and told them they should teach themselves the craft of filmmaking in between shots why don't they teach themselves acting while they're at it (laughs) (laughs) movie career crash maybe investing like save your money because this is all going to go away for you very soon Well, Eric Walker, I don't think his career went much past this. He was in less than zero. Yeah, he has worked again. He's actually worked in 2006, I noticed on IMDb. Oh, is that the kid? I thought he was Rusty Griswold from the European vacation. I actually had to look that up. This guy's done other stuff, Mace? Yes, yes. And he also was filming the making of, there's a 12-minute YouTube film of footage from the time. He's an Ewok advocate petitioning Lucasfilm to include that film and other extras with the DVD releases, future Blu-ray releases. Yeah, he wants the royalties. Well, it's actually owned by Lucasfilm. He filmed it for George. He released it on YouTube with George's permission. I guess he still has the text number. But he did say that he talked to the producer at the time of filming. And Thomas G. Smith who was producing it, said that this takes place 150 years after Return of the Jedi. Okay, you know what? I don't even care about this movie to argue continuity. The fact that Wicket's still a little Wicket 150 years later, so whatever. You may not care. Leland Chi cares. Has he seen this movie? How can you get your feathers rustled up over this thing? It would be like trying to incorporate Alien vs. Predator into the (laughs) alien world, in my mind. Well, he was tasked to make it all fit. That's what he had to do. And because Wicket was a little kid, what is canonical before Disney hit the reset button is this takes place almost the exact same time as Empire Strikes Back, one year before the battle that would happen above the sky of Endor. That doesn't make sense either, but whatever. W- Wicket's not talking in Return of the Jedi. Well, what they canonically said <laughs> oh, damn it. is that Wicket never spoke English. It was a foreign language that was translated to English for the comprehension of the young audience of Ewoks. I want to say F this movie, but the the TV thinks I can't swear. (laughs) (laughs) So theoretically, we should have watched this last week and been watching Jedi now because this is coming how soon? A year? It would have taken place exact same time as Empire. But if we were doing that, we would have watched the holiday special right after Star Wars. So... And then we'd be watching the Clone Wars. We're not doing this in Star Wars timeline, folks. George wants us to. He would want us to start episode one. I burned a bridge. We're starting with episode four. But George would have liked episode one. But no, we're doing this in order of release. And that's when we finally got this. Okay. Well, then if you got the timeline, you got the plot, right? 
Can I call Leela and Chi to do it? Actually, this <laughs> one's not that bad. I can't do it in a Burl Ives voice, though. That man just has a voice like velvet. A time long, long ago, deep in the moon of Endor, the Tawani family's star cruiser has crashed. The parents send their adolescent son Mace and their pre-kindergarten age daughter Sindel to find a transmitter. Because when you need a part, the best thing to do is send a, barely a toddler. Wait a minute. They were sent to get the transmitter? Yes. While the parents stayed behind at the ship. I thought the parents had wandered off to find the transmitter. I didn't even know where the kids... It starts off with the parents looking for the kids, saying the kids ran off. I don't even know where they ran off to. <laughs> Seriously, do you have Cheese number? I think we need it. <laughs> I thought that that opening scene was actually a jump ahead, and then we would go back to where why the kids weren't there. No, nope. never brought up. No. Nope. Anyway, for whatever reason, there's something with a transmitter that never comes up again, and the kids are missing. <laughs> we could all agree to that. Right. And while alone at the ship, the parents are attacked and taken by a giant beast called the Gorax. Yeah, if a Gorax was around, that would have been helpful to take down the shield generator. Take that, timeline people. Endor's a big planet, and the Imperials probably killed a lot of native species to build their shield generator. Keep in mind, the Imperials are probably somewhere on this planet right now. Alone and starving, Mace and Sindel are found by the Ewoks, the furry teddy bears native to the moon. While Mace is skeptical, Sindel bonds with Ewok child Wicket. Then their medicine man Logre shows the children their parents are alive, but in the captivity of the Gorax. Though it means great risk, a group of Ewoks agree to help Mace and Sindel travel the moon to the forbidden land of Mordor, <laughs> the forbidden land of the Gorax, and rescue their family. The Ewoks that go are Deej, the leader of the group, Weechi, his eldest son, Deej's younger sons, Wicket and Whittle, and along the way, they get help from Chuka Trok and Priestess Kank. <laughs> I'm not even going to refer to these names ever again. I wanted to know, how well did you guys do telling the Ewoks apart other than Wicket? Nope, mm. Wicket, that's the only one. And the Priestess wears a pointed hat. That's all I know. Don't know her name. Yeah, the Lumberjack, he had the axe, so I could tell him. But I could never pronounce his name. What was it again? Chuka Trok. Of course it was. <laughs> and how could you forget Kank? I'm like, Kank? Yeah, Kank. I just, she wore a hat. That's all I know. Rhymes with Kank. <laughs> I was thinking Trank, like the director of Fantastic Four, or Kankle, like, you know what a Kankle <laughs> is. <laughs> so they encounter several trials along the way, but each is solved by a magic item that was given to them by Elrond before they left. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Given to them by Logre before they left. And soon they reach the forbidden fortress of the Gorax. There they sneak around. Should be said you just skip like half the film. <laughs> but fine. that's how much it matters. Really? <laughs> skip it all. You might, why, why do half when you can do all? <laughs> I'm telling you the plot. I'm not telling you a beat by beat. That's what the rest of the show is for. <laughs> all 20 minutes? I just want to get it over with now so we don't have to do it. So they sneak around the fortress of the Gorax before going to combat the beast. And the Gorax is killed, the parents are freed, and because only one Ewok can die per battle, one Ewok, <laughs> Chokotok, <laughs> dies in the battle. Yeah, I'm going to leave you to say all the names. So the humans return to the Ewok village for one of their famous celebrations as credits roll. That's the plot. Now, you know, it feels like a 
one hour TV special that was dragged to two hours. No, no, oh, yeah, this is, remember in, like, high school, you gotta write a five-page essay, and you're like, oh my gosh, I got nothing to say, and so you write, like, this was really, 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 <laughs> really, really, really neat. Like, that's how this feels. Like, it would be more fun if we just sat around and tried to guess what the screenwriters were thinking instead of going through this movie because, man, did they have a job to pad this thing. Like, okay, I'll start. Uh, They were thinking, (laughs) let's copy E.T. here at the beginning. We got a forest. We got flashlights. We got mist. We got people searching for their kids. Tell me Sindel was not hired because she's like a spitting image of pre-drug addled Drew Barrymore. Oh, absolutely. That's all I could think about. And the other one, well, he could be Henry Thomas, but I also think they were going for Mark Hamill. Actually, he looks more like Mark Singer from V, but... (laughs) Yeah, the casting here is kind of odd. The parents are pretty much non-entities. They're here at the beginning. They are truly the MacGuffin. They are the thing everybody is chasing in this movie. Yeah, I thought that they had left their kids at the Star Cruiser to go find that satellite that got blown up in Return of the Jedi. (laughs) (laughs) You thought about this way more than I did. (laughs) I tried too hard. And I thought that's what they did. And then they came back and, you know, you could call DCFS on these people, but, you know, it was a different era. I got to say, Arnie, weren't you left alone for long periods of time? Didn't your parents like, well, we don't have a babysitter. It's just going to be you for this evening. Yes, but I'm not nominating my parents for parent of the year either. (laughs) And yes, when I was Mace's age, absolutely. I was left alone. I think eight was the age my parents started leaving me alone for a period. But it's not like I was taking care of a four-year-old at the time. Hey, if we pissed my parents off when we're on a road trip, like summer vacation, they're like, get out of the car. They'd leave us on the side of the road, drive off to like the next exit, then turn around and come back. Make us wait on the side of the road like they just left us. <laughs> but they didn't leave me alone after a car crash by the side of the road. And that's pretty much what happened here. Their ship <laughs> crashed and they had no way off and they left their kids or sent their kids for a part, whichever <laughs> interpretation you like. Yeah, it's not great parenting. I'll, I'll give you that. But they, they shouldn't be, blame the kids. I, I get the sense that they're mad at the kids for wandering away. And they own a big part of this. I thought they were just worried. That's the emotion I got from their performances was anxiety. Yeah, but the irony is they're going to be the ones that need rescue. That ultimately, the big monster that comes barreling out here, it catches them. It catches them off screen. We don't know that. They don't have the budget to show the hand coming and grabbing them. But basically, these parents are abducted, and we're going to need the children to rescue them with the help of our Ewok friends. I'm, I'm not sure if it's budget. I wondered if we were supposed to think they were killed. And it's a surprise later on that they're still alive. Now, there's no killing in these movies. Yeah, there is. We're going to see a dead Ewok by the end. Yeah, but they always, you know, they did that in Jedi. You can kill one Ewok, particularly when he's kind of uh, aggressive, but not the cute ones. It is easy to think that these parents have died because we're going to spend about the next 20 minutes like worrying about poor Sindel and, and feeding her weird Ewok tree sap and having her be sick, which again plays no part in the plot. Doesn't matter. Does not matter that she's sick, except that she gets to teach Wicket to talk. That is the cough that I mastered when I wanted to stay home from school. That is a fake cough if ever I've heard it. That 
is no sickness. Uh. But yes, it's the thing that means they need the Ewoks' help because these kids are hiding in their Star Cruiser when I think this is a prequel scene. I think that this happened before the parents came back, right? He thought they were abducted by Ewoks and that's why the parents couldn't find them. This is not Pulp Fiction. This is just <laughs> a linear storyline taking place parallel to Empire. Well, then where were they? Why didn't the parents see them? But they were out looking for the transmitter. And when they couldn't find one, they came back and the parents were gone. But the parents were the ones coming back. From looking for the kids. Huh? <laughs> just move on. It doesn't matter. Okay, you're right. Here. I'm not going to belabor this. We can fight about a many million multitude <laughs> of things. This one, I don't care. All right, that's fine. All right, let's just punch it down. This is a poorly told narrative beginning. Stuff happens. We don't know why. It's just to get the parents captured so the kids can later rescue them. And so the kids can be there starving and sick when they're going to be discovered by the Ewoks. What I love is the Ewoks see them, but it's Deej who's hang gliding because we know they have hang gliders from Return of the Jedi. He's looking for his own lost children and happens to see something shiny he's going to go investigate. So this is the movie of the children who are lost. Yeah, I, I get the theme. I mean, you can't miss the theme here is that kids don't obey their parents. They get into trouble and there'll be a lesson learned. And we got Burl lives to narrate. <laughs> and I'm sure he's going to put a button on it like Frosty. You know, it's going to have an obvious moral. I do love Burl lives coming in because I. it's like, OK, kids aren't going to be able to pick up on these like mimed motions by the Ewoks. It's too sophisticated for. Them. So we're going to have this narration. I did feel like I was watching like a, a National Geographic documentary about like some animals or tribal people it's like the father ewok must go look for his two lost son like i think that would have been more interesting than the story we actually get and that is an interesting choice made in this movie while wicket is going to learn a couple of words star cruiser crash star cruiser crash sindel he's going to learn those but really this is mostly a silent movie. The Ewoks go around and say the same kind of nyub-nyub they said in Return of the Jedi. And if it wasn't for Burl Ives, we would really be left to interpret this. It would almost be some kind of modern art thing to see, okay, what's happening with these Ewok hand gestures? What is this headdress he's giving people? Why is he smacking Mace and making him take a rock. What is going on? Burl Ives is a translator from pantomime to <laughs> understanding. You say for kids, I say for me. Well, here's the thing. I was wondering why why not have subtitles? And then it was obvious, you know, five more minutes. I'm like, oh, because anyone that has learned to read would not be watching this. It's just too boring. <laughs> <laughs> this is truly made for kids who cannot read the words that the Ewoks would be saying. And that is the target audience because who loved Ewoks? Young kids. I was a young kid, but probably on the older age of Ewok lovers at eight. And so here I was at 10 and I think they knew their target audience and it's not late thirties, early forties men who are going to snark at this film for an hour. <laughs> No, yeah, it's, you know, it's Sindel and Mace. They have the two different demographics. One, Sindel, she loves them instantly. She trusts them instantly. She wants to go with them. 
no pushback at all. And then you have Mace, who is always giving guff. You know, he's calling a mop face and pulling out lasers. They have to wrestle him to the ground. Yeah, trying to shoot them. I thought that was hysterical that they attack him. He is a jerk, but man, they're going to treat him like one of those movies. They're not going to be secret that he's a bad kid. And I mean, later on, when they're doing a magical test of purity, he comes out a lizard. The problem is he's always sticking his fingers in holes. Uh, maybe that's a metaphor for the puberty he's going through. But like, he's, he's going to... I don't know what kind of puberty you had. Hey, he's, he's his hand into a tree to figure something out. He's sticking his finger in the pond. Like, he's always sticking his finger somewhere where it shouldn't be. Yeah, he's he's a trouble. And they tie him up to bring him back. I mean, he does not come willingly. So he does represent those older kids that may like Star Wars, but are not so cool with Ewoks. He has to be won over. Given that he was tied up and carried in, was anyone else expected them to fire up the spit and roast him? I did have that question, yes. What are they? Are they prisoners? Are they dinner? Are they new friends? Are they patients? I don't understand the relationship here at the beginning. To tell the truth, the biggest thing I'm worried about is why are these Ewoks living on the ground? They're supposed to be up in the trees away from danger. I guess they just didn't have the money for those kind of sets. We'll get a few shots up in the trees, but this village is on the ground for the most part. Well, while they trucked down to Redwood National Park for Return of the Jedi, I kid you not, a lot of this movie was shot on or around the ranch. You, of course, know the famous Lucasfilm ranch that Lucas lived on and owned and had ILM at. And when he started to make moves to sell the company, he moved them all to the Presidio. But those animals are animals from the ranch. He had goats and ferrets. Ah, okay. So they didn't go very far. So no, they didn't have big buildings and trees. They live on the ground and it's a huge continuity error that the target audience would never think of. <laughs> Mace is won over basically because they have drugs. Basically. <laughs> I love how you put that. No, I mean, it is. I think Jerry Garcia would really like this movie. Little kids and Jerry Garcia are going to like the fact that this girl has a cough. And so they're like, oh, we got this tree. And it's got fluid that'll cure all ills. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's one tree that grows in the middle of the forest that they got to hike to. Again, this is so padded, though. Like, there is no reason that low grade, the medicine man who we're going to see wouldn't have the stockpile. Like, oh, no, we're all out of it. We got to go do go knock on the neighbor's door, get a cup of sugar and a thing of medicine. Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. My actual thought when I'm watching this is like this movie's in real time. They need to go to a tree and get it, and we're going to watch them walk all the way to the tree. When would they get there? Yeah, his hand is going to get hurt by the tree. This was a reshot scene. Lucas demanded weeks of reshoots. Oh, Jesus Christ. Initially, he was attacked by a flower. <laughs> And so they cut the flower scene and he's his hand is injured, which means nothing to this movie. He's like, no, no, nothing matters. He, Mace learns no lessons in this movie. He comes back. The Ewoks are all like, what about your hand? Oh, I'm fine. And he is. <laughs> I thought that that was meant to show that he wasn't going to take any more medicine. He loved his sister so much. He was going to make sure she got all the medicine that she needed. I think there is some of that. He cared more for her health than his. He had a scraped up hand. She was dying. And the thing that bites him in this cut anyway, that's a baby version of what was in the asteroid in Empire, right? Yeah, it looks like a penis with teeth. 
Yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. I mean, emphasis on the word kind of. It's not intended to be the same animal at all, though, because in Empire, it's a space slug. Space slugs live, well, in space. Yeah, and this had some weird little decoy tongue. It's like aliens, but more friendly. Maybe that's why you liked it, Stuart. Yeah, maybe. I don't think I used the word liked, by the way. I just said it was kind of funny. <laughs> Emphasis on kind of. <laughs> that's exactly what he said. But they get back and she takes more medicine. She's better. And wow, we're just going to kind of sit, chill and chat with the Ewoks. And Mace, he's going to show his gratitude by sneaking out at night, that punk. There's been no adventure so far, and we're like a half hour into this dang thing. Again, are they prisoners? Are they held against their will in any way? Does he have to sneak? Could he simply say, I'm leaving? Well, it's weird because they have his gun, and he's got to come up with some master plan to get his gun back, which involves him leaning over and taking it at night. (laughs) And then the next property I feel like the screenwriters are taking from they have et in reverse now the cuddly aliens are trying to adopt the humans drew barrymore as their pet uh, the next thing is land of the lost right suddenly they're being chased by a creature they run into a hole and it even looks like will and holly the way that it's filmed i was gonna say it looks like the special effects from land of the lost or the way that beast looks yeah no exactly it has that stop motion charm i actually kind of like the stop motion i actually they barely showed this beast but they did, and I'm like, wow. And I complained about the Rancor. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but this was a shoestring budget, and they were actually very proud of the fact that they did go back to that 1950s kind of technology with forced perspective and stop-motion animation. They were able to use these old techniques, and because they're ILM who's working on this, push them to their maximum, and... Uh, they'll, they'll say anything to justify this shoddy work. <laughs> no, this is a homage to the 50s and, and special effects then. Hey, I'll compliment alert. I'm going to give a slight one. <laughs> Joe Johnston is here on production design. We talked about, we've seen many of his movies. You know, he is a Spielberg Lucas acolyte. Jurassic Park 3. Captain America. Yeah. yeah. He made Raptors talk. He made Ewoks talk. (laughs) Yeah, I think that they did okay for a TV budget here. I think that my problems with this movie really aren't with the way that it looks. Yeah, I mean, yes, of course, this monster looks silly and whatever, but it works for the tone of this movie. It works in the the way that Land of the Lost, the TV show, worked. And here we are at the 30-minute mark of this movie, (laughs) and we finally have a change in character when the Ewoks come by and kill this giant stop-motion rat. And I do like the creature design of the rat. When it's the puppet, it really has a cool look. I'd buy a toy of that. Star, If it has a Star Wars logo on it, I think you're obligated to buy a toy of it. It's a rat? I thought it was a bear. I thought it was a wolf. Wasn't this thing howling at the moon in one shot? I didn't know that, that if that was the same thing or not. Something held at the moon, yes. <laughs> it is called a boar wolf. Right. Okay. I, I was just confused why it like just gave up at night and then showed up the next morning and the Ewoks are there fighting it. Like, how do they know? You might be right, Stuart. These are prisoners. <laughs> They're going to get these fugitives and bring them back. <laughs> More to the point, I thought it was interesting that the commercial break happens after the danger passes. Normally, you'd think you'd want to hook an audience by like leaving them on a cliffhanger, right? Like... Cut the commercial while it's still clawing at them. But this is very coddling. I'm telling you, this movie, no one's really going to get hurt in this world because it just tells you once it's safe, okay, now we'll cut to commercial break. So you just don't worry for the next five minutes. Or they're just trying to not cut the suspense with ring around the collar and your whole wash clean ads. You know. Suspense. (laughs) 
Yes, wouldn't want to cut that anymore. There's got to be it to cut it. But here's something I really don't understand. I know we've been nitpicking things that kind of don't make any sense, but it doesn't really matter. But this really does matter. (laughs) They have life bracelets that, you know, basically they glow green to let you know they're alive. I think if you're looking at it, you know you're alive. No, it's (laughs) telling them who in their family is alive. It's not saying I'm alive. Okay. All right. So for some reason, like clothes and those things are pinned to this creature from their parents. What happened? This was the pet of the Gorax? That's all I can assume. They, they actually say that. The Gorax is the boar wolf's master. But why would he pin a life collar on it? Right. I don't know. I make my chihuahua wear a sweater. I mean, I'm not proud of it. <laughs> but. Right, but would you make him wear a sweater if you, like, abducted someone and you put their sweater on your dog? <laughs> right. Exactly. You wouldn't pin the squirrel tail that he killed onto him. I, it, I'm not a Gorax. <laughs> you're right. And neither am I. So let's move on. <laughs> yeah, so that really doesn't matter that much. They just find it to know that the boar rat wolf thing is somehow related it should have been in its stomach right they should have had to cut it open and in its stomach but that's just too gory for this frog audience all right i could split the difference it could be caught around a tooth all right yes the implication should be that it tried to eat them and that's it got stuck on them the fact that it's like safety pinned to its side just i don't understand that i just thought honestly it was an adornment like the gorax thought it made the war wolf prettier Okay. Again, though, what I feel really matters is now we're over a third of the way into the movie and we're just getting to the plot of Let's Rescue the Parents. This has been one of the longest half hours in my now playing life. (laughs) Oh, come now. We've had several. I I can't even compare anymore. There's been too many movies that have dragged. There have been too many crappy TV movies. I'm thinking of Rave to the Grave, actually. I'm just going to say, if you think this first half hour is long, just wait till this next hour. Yeah, well, then, you know, Stuart's been good at calling out E.T. and Land of the Lost, and now here, we are definitely going into Lord of the Rings territory. Oh, yeah. It's blatant. Like, Tolkien's estate should sue. I mean, Lucas has always said Lord of the Rings was an inspiration behind Star Wars, and you can kind of see the parallels there, but this is just plagiarism. (laughs) Although I didn't know the Ewoks were Jewish, but like, they're doing Kabbalah or something. He pulls out the dreidel. Like, their way of, like, figuring out where the parents are are a magic dreidel spin. <laughs> oh, I never, yeah, never thought of that. No, it's a dreidel. I, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, oh, cool. And here I just thought it was a top. But yeah, they have a vision of the parents in a cage crying, the prisoners of a monster or something really big. And so they're going to go rescue them. I think the one Ewok, Deej, almost loses his teeth. Those teeth look like they're about to fall out. I guess they don't use them that much. But he's like... Those mouths don't move at all in this film. We help you! And he puts a knife through the table and, okay, yes, now we need to form the fellowship that is going to go. And yes, everyone gets a magical talisman i don't even know if they're magical as we'll find out yeah there's three different sets of headdresses yes that never come up (laughs) yeah they put them on i'm I'm like oh they're gonna make them fly over this chasm or move really fast nope strength courage hope sindel gets a candle i do love maces maces is like (laughs) charlie brown he's like i got a rock (laughs) 
<laughs> I wish they could Charlie Brown too. There's two cooler weapons that he doesn't even get. They're like, no, we're saving those for people we'll find along the way. Yet from the actual Ewok village, the only people who are going is Deej's family. Well, they're the only Ewoks dumb enough to live on the ground, so I guess they figured they have the courage to walk across the land. Everyone else is up in those trees. I do need to give a call out to the Ewoks who go, though, because we've talked about Warwick Davis. We've reviewed him in a number of movies. The other two Ewok children, Whittle and Weechi, you know these people. Weechi is the little person from Total Recall who works at the strip club bar with Quato. Bridget the Midget? No, not Bridget the Midget. I mean, that's a real whore. I know. But the, <laughs> but the one that plays a whore. Yeah, yeah. And Whittle is Tony Cox, which I didn't realize till I was watching behind the scenes. I knew it! I knew it! I knew it! When you had to make a point to say who they were, I knew one had to be Tony Cox. Yeah, Tony Cox. <laughs> they actually didn't even audition for Ewoks. They just brought the Ewoks who were in Return of the Jedi and were like, you know what you're doing. You fit the suits. Come back. And Tony Cox <laughs> was an Ewok. And so he was back. And it's hysterical to see this behind the scenes footage that Eric Walker shot of Tony Cox just chilling in the Ewok outfit with no mask. <laughs> for a second, I thought you were talking about Ronnie Cox. <laughs> I was like, how did he fit in the suit? <laughs> Is it- he might have fit in that suit when he jumps on the horse, because that's a full-size man. <laughs> and the hang glider, too. Obviously not a little person. So interesting. So they have a white woman and a black man playing w- Wicket's brother. So that's pretty progressive. Yeah, the Fantastic Four pissed off crowd would be really irate if they knew Ewoks did that, too. <laughs> 20 years earlier. You know what? I'm not totally opposed to the tone or the setting of this movie. I'm opposed to the pace. You know, that it doesn't feel like Star Wars, we can all agree. I mean, Burl Ives is not Star Wars. He is not Obi-Wan. This does not work. And the music is definitely not John Williams. Oftentimes, I found like it, it sounded like Star Trek, like the original TV theme, or maybe a little bit of... E.T. John Williams in there, but it, not Star Wars ever. It never sounded like Star Wars. Peter Bernstein did this, and yeah, they actually released a score album of this, which of course I own. And Why? Could they not use the John Williams stuff? I mean, why not even use the Ewok theme at least? They did use some of it. There are times. It's like the hero theme. There are times when Williams music does come up, but they didn't want to do Star Wars music, so they got Bernstein to do all new Ewok theme music. And so that's... Yeah, why think of Star Wars during this? Well, <laughs> I, I'm going to defend the concept, and I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of this going forward. Yes. Of Star Wars without Jedi. Yes. No, I'm I'm fine with that, but the music, I mean, that that seems like a weird thing to change. That that would if I'm not seeing the Force or Jedi, that at least ties it into this larger universe. But Williams' themes were very character specific. There was the Luke theme, the Leia theme, the Han theme, the Jabba theme with the tuba, and the Vader theme and the Imperial theme. This is new. They did bring back do 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 Okay, I was listening for that, but I never heard it. Yeah, so. they bring that back in like two places. But by and large, it is all new music that's meant to thematically fit. And yeah, there is parts where it is the Star Trek theme. Like, wow, again, a little bit of plagiarism going on there. The music's not horrible. It never takes me out of it. But no, it doesn't have the feel that I would associate with Star Wars at this point 
nor do we have the force, nor do we have lightsabers. I mean, you've got to admit, if it weren't Ewoks, if you hadn't seen Jedi, if you'd only seen the first two Star Wars movies, you would not even know it was the same universe. But yet, the universe Lucas built. I mean, understand, I've spent thousands of hours reading books, comics, playing video games, that this is the period where the Jedi are extinct. There's Obi-Wan, who's dead at this point. Luke is off in hiding to rescue Han on Tatooine. Vader is a long way from here. He hasn't yet been assigned to finish the Death Star. So there are no Jedi. And again, I think we're going to be seeing this with Rogue One. It's the first theatrical Star Wars film not scored by John Williams. And I would really doubt we see a Jedi. And I don't have a problem with that. If the film is good, fine. But like Stuart said, the pacing. Yes. This at some point got that its title, Caravan of Courage, is originally the Ewok adventure. This caravan does not start until halfway through this film, 45 minutes in to even start this journey. That unacceptable. Yeah, you're not going to get any argument from me. This thing is dragging like an Ewok corpse behind a boar wolf. Yeah, and I mean, I've seen cheesy TV movies that I've given semi-green lights to. I've greenlit at least one of those turtle movies. I can do kiddie stuff. But yeah, really, I do think all audiences are going to have a problem with this pace. And that if they cut this down, I do think young kids would like it. But I mean, it's a real drag having to wait on these guys. Yeah, that's why I said with real time. it's This is too slow for kids and too simple for adults and again too slow for adults as well i want them to get into it and what happens is unimportant action when they fight the boar wolf eventually they realize there's a bracelet on him but that doesn't really have much to do with it when mace is bit by a tree creature it has no effect if it was all leading to the plot, if everything, if every battle was taking them one step closer to a goal, that's great. But as Jacob says, it's 45 minutes before they start even having a goal to go towards. And the rest of this is literal time wasting to fill out a two hour slot. The first thing they do, I mean, they were given some uh, some crystal and they're like, you're going to have to use this to get some Ewoks to go along with you. They find the priestess. I don't know why they need a priestess. I don't know what she contributes by the end of this journey, but they give her the crystal and she decides to tag along. Yeah, it's the problem is, is that, yeah, the team's not fully formed when they set off. You have to convince them. But truly, it's just about giving them their rightful property. It's like this stuff was stolen from them or something like <laughs> hot loot or something like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry we took your tooth from your necklace. Here it's back, Lumberjack. And why don't you join us? I mean, because it, it, there's... To me, when you're forming a team, there there needs to be something to bind you, you know, like they get into an adventure or they make a plea or something. But here, yeah, literally a tooth in a crystal and 20 more minutes pass and we got two more Ewoks tailing. Well, also, when you're forming a team, they should each have a purpose. You'll have my steel. You'll have my bow. Yeah. You'll have this priestess who does absolutely nothing. Although I did no. I did do a double take. I honestly thought just last week I bought a stuffed doll of this priestess. It turns <laughs> out it was a different Ewok, but man, it was close. There was at the D23 convention. They all use their stuff. Yeah, they put on headdresses that don't do anything, but yes. I can't speak for the headdresses, but everything else (laughs) has its quote-unquote moment. And the first one of which is they get to this 
pond that's magical. And yes, as you pointed out, Mace is inclined to stick his hand in where it doesn't belong. And he winds up under the water, unable to penetrate the surface, drowning. And they are unable to get anything in there except Wicket's magic walking stick. Okay, this is the image that I remember the most from this film because this did scare me as a kid. Like, being stuck under the ice. You see that in movies all the time. It was just, there was something frightening about that. Watching it now, I'm trying to stay awake, but it is something that stuck with me. I saw it in a horror movie called The Legacy with Roger Daltrey, and it had the same impact on me. There is something horrible. Just, there's something very effective about seeing someone unable to break the surface of water and drowning, and you can see them. And to know that oxygen is just there inches away. Way. Yeah, it's in, in any other circumstance, it would be exciting. In this movie, it's just merely alarming. I also thought it was creepy. I wasn't sure exactly what happened. He touched the water, he disappeared. He was looking at his reflection. It's like he was touching his reflection. And he was like scared to touch it too. He's like slowly moving his finger towards it. When a tree bites you, you know you gotta be a little bit cautious. <laughs> But I thought he went invisible. He just disappeared. And yet it looked like the reflection remained for a moment. It does. It does. Yeah. When he initially, maybe they just couldn't erase the reflection from the water when they did the special effect. I don't think they erased anything. They didn't have CGI back then. That was a jump cut if ever there was one. But the fact that he was transported under the water, I'm like, well, that's weird. Okay. He's going to swim out. What is this? A joke to get him wet? When there's that magic force field. I don't think it's ice. I don't think it's glass. It looks like plexiglass, but that prevents him from coming up. That was effective. And I felt bad for the actor. I'm like, wow, he's really under something. That's got to be scary as hell. I also had to get a little judgmental on these Ewoks. They're like, let's try a rope. Nope. Let's try a stick. Nope. Let's try a bigger <laughs> stick. Nope. It takes the child. It takes Sindel to be like, uh, why don't you use that magic stick you brought, Wicked? They are kind of primitive. You've seen how they live. It it would take... Wicked seems to be the smarter one because he's learned to talk. But yeah, it's Sindel who's used that magic stick. I was like, get to it already because this doesn't matter. The thing is, it wasn't like Mace was told, hey, don't go to that lake because it's magic and it's going to hurt you. And he disobeyed. He's going to learn a lesson from that. Like, we are just going to see a series of things happen that don't matter. Like, next... The horse is going to take off with Sindel on it, and there's going to be a chase, and then they're going to walk it back. Nothing learned. Doesn't matter. I love that it's Wicked's fault. He's playing with a tree, and he lets go of the branch, and it makes a whip sound and scares the horse with the big, like, tent on his back. This is the stuff you do in an adventure. You're on an odyssey. You're questing. You're... You don't tell about it. You don't put it in a movie. You're going to run into things, but I think it would be more effective if, yeah, these were the evil forces. If this was Gorax or Gorax's minions trying to prevent them from getting to the fortress. Instead, it's just sort of, yeah, random happenstance happening because the people in the caravan are kind of stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I agree completely. Again, going back to Lord of the Rings, they encounter a spider, which we'll be getting to. But Shelob matters. Like, that plays a part in the plot. Sam has to take the ring and go forward. Like, that mattered. This doesn't matter. No, but that you find obstacles along the way is what I'm saying. And when they have to hide out with the orcs that they stumble upon. But here, they're causing their own problems, and it's not <laughs> exciting to watch. I think the worst scene for me, or at least the most inexplicable, is like we have a whole commercial segment. The whole segment is dedicated to them trying to get a sleep in, 
and they're besieged by Willow the Wisps or something. I don't know what the hell. Tinkerbell. <laughs> yeah. They make R2-D2 noises and they fly around and they're these little sprites. And thank goodness Sindel has a candle that'll suck them all up or something. Why, though? Were they hurting them? I don't understand because she's like, oh, this candle, it never dies down. I'm like, great, they're going to end up in a dark cave and she's going to have to use the candle. No, it sucks up some fireflies. It's, it's one of those mosquito zappers. And next adventure, I, I guess it's important because one firefly stays behind. I don't know why. I don't know why any of this is happening. And why is it taking so long to not happen? You know, they're trying to draw parallels. You know, they they try to say, well, like, she doesn't have her family and Wicked doesn't have his mom. Because you just killed him with the candle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never mind the fact that it's our fault again. But yeah, Wicked doesn't have his mom. These kids don't have their parents. They're trying to do something here i don't know but uh yeah it's not particularly impacting I, I can't say that you know with an odyssey as each team member joins you want to feel like it's getting stronger here i just feel like it's just getting more cumbersome i i feel like i like each new joiner less than the last and then i don't know what happens like wicket offers them something again i think it's that tree sap drug or something because it all ends in giggles they're like Wee! i figured this out all of these Wisties are the same Wisty, and the candle allows them to form into Queen Isriana. Where was Burl Ives to explain this to us? <laughs> this is the perfect opportunity to speak up and tell us what the hell we're watching. He had fallen asleep, <laughs> no doubt. So when all of these lights form the actual being who joins their troop, she is the one who's lost and away from her family. So they didn't kill her family. She's just separated from them. And that's why she was torn to pieces, literally. Okay. Not explained in the movie. Uh, does that make the movie any stronger? I guess if you don't like the idea of mass fairy death, then yes, it does. <laughs> I don't know. I guess not, because they weren't even looking for some magic fairy to go along with them. Yeah, I feel like they have enough magic. There's too much magic. Everything is a magic talisman. I feel like I'd like to see fighters. I'd like to see thinkers. I'd like to see people that know the way. Hey, you got the guy who cuts down a tree and is good with an axe. He's a fighter. I think he's the Gimli of the troop. Okay. You think so? I gotta agree with Mace. You, you don't need a rock. And I, I can't believe that they're like mad at him when they finally get to the place that they're going. And this is the time to have the rock because surprise, it actually has a secret compartment inside that has an arrowhead that will point them towards a cave that they could look at with their own eyes. You remember those rocks that had the little thing that would slide out so you could put your house key in there yeah. and like hide it in your yard? I do yeah, that's that. basically what this is. <laughs> Yeah, for the latchkey kid that comes home and doesn't want to carry his home key on him, he can just pull up that fake rock and pull it out. Yeah, that is exactly what this is. And he is a latchkey kid. I mean, his parents are gone. But too much magic. Again, can't you just see that there's a cave right there? Do they really need a magic arrowhead to go flying into it? Shouldn't there be some kind of personal growth that enables the magic to happen? Shouldn't there be some kind of sacrifice or lesson learned instead of... I mean, I guess the lesson learned was I shouldn't have thrown away the rock. They should have made him walk his ass back to go get it. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like it's not learned. Like, this kid has constantly not obeyed. You know, he cries that he should have obeyed his father, but he's still not listening to these teddy bears. I had the same reaction. He has this big emotional scene. It's why he's the star crying, saying if he'd been a better kid, but 
he's still a punk. Yeah. For, all the way to the end, really. Yeah, no character arcs in this film. Mm. The biggest development is Wicket learning language. <laughs> they have all the kids stay back. Whittle and Wicket and Sindel all are forced to stay behind because now it's too dangerous. Before it was They fun. sit in a cave with their headdresses on, doing nothing. Like, they still have to put those dang headdresses on. But the rest of the crew is going to climb this rope ladder spider web <laughs> thing and go into the monster. This... I mean, come on, we've all been at haunted houses, like at, at those fairs that come through town. So now we know where they got their special effects. <laughs> I mean, come on, these spiders, they don't even move. It's like, oh, it, it, it is beyond cheap. Like, I, I can't believe how bad this looks. It is incredible. Although I do kind of like the spider design here. It's kind of cool. Well, it looks like a spider. Congratulations, it has eight legs. <laughs> <laughs> but the web does look really fake. And this is where Kate uses that crystal, by the way. She hypnotizes it or something. Oh, that's why they needed the priestess. It glows, and then its eyes glows, and then, I don't know, it allows all the Ewoks to climb across the web without getting bitten. Is she using the Force, Arnie? Do, do we have a definitive word on this? I mean, if this is in the timeline somewhere. Someone's got to know if this is the Force. Well, that was my question, is if the Force isn't here, what is this magic, and what happens if the magic went against the Force? <laughs> That would be a more exciting battle than the spider battle. Although I got to say, I didn't think Wicket had it in him. When that bug falls, he's there with the knife to stab it. My favorite is the one when the one attacks Mace and he just kind of swings at it and knocks it down. Yeah, he, but he swats at it like, oh, it's annoying. <laughs> yeah, there's no word on whether or not she is a Jedi Ewok, which would be awesome, by the way. I I had one named Necklip in my RPG I ran for several years. <laughs> But they never bothered to retcon. Just there are things that are out there. I'd, I'd say it's like Thor. There's technology we don't understand, so we call it magic. And again, I don't even think this is really the Star Wars universe. It, it's the Ewok universe, and that's where it stays limited. But yes, much more of a fantasy realm, much more of wanting to create its own mythology, its own creatures. Gorax, what does he want? Why did he take the parents? Why is he gnawing on a bone with no meat on it when he could be eating them? I think he's like the witch in Hansel and Gretel. He wants to fatten them up a little bit first. Okay, but they're starving in a cage. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> like in a bird cage. I wondered if they were pets. Yeah. Yeah, he goes over there and just kind of looks at them and walks away. It. I don't know. I don't need a big explanation, but I think we're owed a little bit about what he might want with them are they food entertainment uh, slaves something give me a, a nibble <laughs> burl lives chime in he's bad he's evil i think that's all we're going to get from this why did the spider attack because it's a spider this is our nemesis it is the thing we must overcome and i mean it's our dark overlord <laughs> Please. Well, this is the studio and the mind that would bring us Howard the Duck in a couple of years. With effects that are about on par of, as the Dark Overlords. I don't know. I can see the human flesh around the eyes of the Gorax. That was pretty disappointing. Yeah. I, that mask was like a Halloween mask. You're watching this on high definition on DVD, not old school tube TV. Yeah, that's true. I did have an upscaling DVD going on here, <laughs> but I could clearly see flesh. And I'm like, oh, man, that's like what you get at the spirit store around this time of year. 
So I think I know what's happening. I think they're going to go in a Jack and the Beanstalk direction. They're, they're going to all climb down. They get the parents out via some kind of trampoline rope trick. But I did not think that they were going to kill Chukatrock. <laughs> I thought this was way too kiddie a film for anyone to die or anything. I thought the Gorax might be trapped or something. They're going to stab him in the back before this is over with an axe to avenge Chukatrock. I mean, and the fact that Chukatrock dies, I'm like, well, they did kill one in Return of the Jedi and Chukatrock was kind of a jerk. So I guess this is his comeuppance. But he dies for dumb reasons. He doesn't die because the main bad guy attacks him. He dies because the fairy flies around and knocks him and he knocks rocks on him. It's not like he heroically sacrificed his life. It was a dumb accident because these people didn't get together to talk and coordinate a plan. Yeah, it's again. Yeah, there's conceptual things that are wrong here that. Yeah, I get that they want to all come together. But yeah, if you release the spirit and that basically causes the main bad guy to knock rocks everywhere and it crushes one of your heroes, I don't think that that's caused to start an Ewok dance when this is all over. In defense of Queen Isriana, she was flying around the Gorax because the Gorax was about to kill Mace. If it wasn't for Isriana, Mace would die. And Darn. So she saves Mace and... Then the Gorax flailing around does cause rocks to fall on Chukatrock. But it's not like it was an uncoordinated attack where they're just all flailing about and Israna's stupidity caused Chukatrock's death. It kind of plays that way. But yeah, everyone is, they're coordinating their own plan. The dads have their tripwire. Kank, you know, she makes a stalactite fall. And it ends up being the human mom. Katarine shoots a laser from, I don't even know where she got the gun. It's Mace's gun. It's the gun he's been after the whole movie. I thought it ran out of juice. Yeah, it came back at the last oh, minute. Oh, thank goodness. Needed, needed Must have been it. that magic that they have so much of. <laughs> and then, yes, even when the creature's not dead and crawling back after falling down, it sort of vindicates that dead Ewok that Mace gets to throw it in his back. Now everyone can say they did something, except Sindel. She just screamed. And... Mace's act wasn't exactly bravery. After being a jerk this whole time, I would have thought he'd have to do something that was like risking himself. I mean, even Wicket, when he was under the spider, shanked the thing. But here, Mace is across a chasm and throws an axe. Not exactly a risk. No, but he does pull a vine from out of nowhere and swings across. I noticed that. I'm like, where was that spider web thread hanging down? Why didn't you just use that vine instead of climbing on the spider web then? I don't know. Spider web seemed easier. <laughs> I, I thought it was left over from the web that they collapsed. Well, we'll never know because we don't have a wide enough shot to see where it comes from. I, I think they're trying to do little bits from the Star Wars movies. You know, obviously, Luke and Leia swinging over the chasm in Star Wars was a big moment. They're kind of trying to do that here, but, you know. In a moment of no suspense because they've already beaten the Gorax. Yeah, I guess I would say the further you can go from Star Wars probably at this point, the better. Because trying to say this is Star Wars, making us, I don't know, attach this to a podcast franchise about Star Wars. Yeah, what a waste of time. Can I just mention that Sindel actually appeared in later Star Wars novels? No. You can. I'm not going to read them. <laughs> she was never a main character, but she did cameo. She survived her experience on Endor and became a reporter. I want some Sindel Ahsoka fan fiction going on. Well, Ahsoka's probably dead or at least really old at this point. But they're done, right? I mean, with this 
whole village dance around thing. The family's done. This is we don't have to worry about this next week. Oh no, I know for a fact that they come back next week. Next week is a closely tied sequel what? to Caravan of Courage. Yeah, I eventually saw it. I don't remember anything about it. I think Sindel's in it, but I don't. I couldn't tell you anything about it. I've watched part of it as well, and not all that long ago. I can't say after this I'm looking forward to revisiting it, but yes, it is a direct sequel. Oh. Okay. Picking up pretty much where this one leaves off. Then whatever helmet of hope I was wearing has withered and and crumpled (laughs) to dust. All right. Well, let's go through the formality here. Jacob Stewart, do you recommend Caravan of Courage and Ewok Adventure? Jacob. And as I was watching this, I'm like, I could edit this down, I bet, to a trim 20 minutes. No problem. It would make just as much sense as this film does. But you know what? Why would I? Who cares? Like, there's nothing here worth watching, worth savoring, worth even getting a little tidbit of. It, it's such a pointless story. And the thing is, like, yeah, if you're a really small child, you might dig watching Ewoks walk around for a long time. It might be a little scary, though, with that boar wolf and the Gorax. And I think kids, you know, I when did this come out? 84? Yes. So, yeah, I was seven, and no, it didn't work for me Mm. then. I I didn't come back for what we're going to watch next week as a child who this was made for. So, bad movie for adults and a bad movie for kids. I don't – kids aren't going to be entertained by this. It was so weird. I was, like, looking at user reviews just to see what people thought of this, and, like, they're like, oh, yeah, I give this, like, four stars out of five because of nostalgia reasons. Well, your childhood sucked then if this was fun nostalgia. This is an awful film. Pointless, nothing worth even giving consideration. Strong not recommend. Stewart. Yeah, it goes without saying that as an encore to Jedi, that that we're putting it into this franchise as if it's earned its spot. You know, this is piss poor and patronizing. This is a horrible Star Wars movie. I'm just trying to get back into my mentality with like Turtles and... Yeah, Incredible Hulk and some of that shitty Marvel TV movie stuff you made me watch. The Ewoks have a cuddle factor. I will say that. Little kids will like Wicket. He, you know, he stands on his head. He says funny things. I do think that that goes a long way here. I think that you'll like Wicket if you're inclined to like Ewoks. But yeah, even for this wee ones, there's kind of some frightening stuff here. And the pace is all wrong. So if you can find a fan edit that does at least chop 30 minutes out of this, then you're probably okay. But otherwise, yeah, I don't think anyone will enjoy this Ewok adventure. I just, it's just a flat out fail. And I agree. I mean, again, I'm the hardcore Star Wars fan here, but I'm a, called myself a discerning fan and I can tell this is junk. It's cheap. The Ewoks, just because of how it's filmed, they upgraded the suits for this. They did? They could now move their lips a little bit, whereas they couldn't move their lips at all in Jedi. And yet everything looked so much cheaper here. At times it looked quite obvious that you were seeing a little person in a fursuit, whereas I never felt that in Return of the Jedi. It's just so cheap, and because of that cheapness, they took a, yeah, a 30-minute story idea, dragged it into 90 minutes, two hours with commercials. The closest equivalent I have is like watching paint dry on a wall in the Star Wars cantina, and that's the best I can give it. You guys say edit it down to a half an hour, 
I agree. I just think you edit it into the next movie and we make one solid movie, the tale of Sindel and her family versus the standalone movie. I can't believe they made another one, but then again, if you're going on ratings, you have to go sight unseen. So a lot of people tuned in because they liked Ewoks. I can't imagine this was well-received. I got to give this a strong not recommend and really believe this is the worst thing we're going to review this whole series, including the holiday special. This mm. is the bottom. That will be the challenge. Yeah, yeah. me right <laughs> into the end, but the holiday special, I've seen that and I know this is not worse. I've never been able to get through it. It is not so we'll worse see. than that, but I agree. As far as what we're connecting, yeah, yeah, I do feel bad that people have to listen to the show or, or even consider watching this movie because this is not Star Wars. This doesn't belong in here. This is just some silly side project that just, no. Well, my meager defense of the holiday special will come at Christmas, but right now, I say this is the worst because, I mean, people who've listened to the show for a long time know boredom is one of the worst sins of cinema for me. And this has it in abundance. Well, yeah, no argument on that. It's really boring. I agree. If, if that's the worst a movie can be, this will be the worst movie. I hope you're right, Arnie, because I, I'm not looking forward to next week. Well, are you looking forward to Friday then when we review, is it our first Oliver Stone film ever, Natural Born Killers? <laughs> I guess it would be. That is true. A little bit more for me to chew on there. As languid as this one is, that one is frenetic. Yeah, no Burr Lives, but Rodney Dangerfield somehow makes an appearance. <laughs> that is on our Platinum Donation series, Natural Born Killers. The original script was sold by Quentin Tarantino. It got changed quite a bit before it made it to screen when Oliver Stone got his hands on it. But for those who want a lot of Quentin Tarantino reviews, it's part of the four films being done at the platinum level with True Romance we did last week and Four Rooms and From Dusk Till Dawn coming up. Those are ones where Tarantino had a significant part but didn't direct. And then next week we go back to the films he directed, our gold donation series with Pulp Fiction. It's your donation to the show that keeps us on the air and keeps us seeking out things like Ewok movies when Netflix doesn't have them. So we thank you in advance for your support and we hope you'll join us on Friday for a much better film than either Ewok movie. Whether or not I recommend it, it's better than either Ewok movie. Hey, I haven't seen the next Ewok movie, but you know what? <laughs> God willing, you're right. It's a blind bet you can take. Yeah, yeah I'm just going out on a limb. Actually, I'm going out on the ground because they can't afford a limb for me to stand on. <laughs> I'm spinning my magic dreidel and confirming what I'm seeing here. Well, Jacob Stewart, thank you for joining me. We'll be back next week with Ewoks Battle for Endor. And until then, the podcast will be with you always. Yes, he's dead. Died for all of us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the now playing Star Wars retrospective series. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We're history. We're out of this place. If you like Star Wars, join Arnie and Marjorie at SWActionNews.com for Star Wars Action News, a podcast dedicated to Star Wars toys, books, games, and more. Come on, you guys, it's time to go.
and come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another new movie review. Can we go get some more? In the archives at NowPlayingPodcast.com, you can find hundreds of in-depth movie reviews, including every film in the Star Trek, Terminator, 2001, Back to the Future, Batman, and James Bond film series. We came on a Star Cruiser and we crashed. Star Cruiser, crashed. And while at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums, where you can share your opinions of these films with the hosts and other listeners. I think they want to be our friends. You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are at NowPlayingPodcast.com. These are for other Ewoks who must be found and persuaded to join the caravan. Now Playing is an independent podcast with no sponsors or ads. We rely on support from listeners like you to help keep the show going. Someone must be able to help us. Please help us. They're going to die. You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Thanks for everything. We really could have done it without you. You can also help out Now Playing by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. A link to Now Playing's iTunes listing can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com. We help you. Now Playing is edited by Arnie. Just get some rest. Just get some rest. Now Playing credit narration by Brock. Come on, see, look at an IQ. He can't talk. He can talk. Talk, talk. Now Playing is not affiliated with Lucasfilm, 20th Century Fox, or Disney. Star Wars and all the Star Wars universe contains is the intellectual property and trademark of Lucasfilm Limited, and no infringement is intended. I know I, I've been in a lot of trouble. I just wish I would have never done anything wrong. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. Mommy was here to take care of me. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2015, all rights reserved. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. Let's get out of here. That's not the worst idea I ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> Finola? Finula. Fionula? Is that kid? Isn't it? Oh, you're asking the first name? Yeah. F-I-O-N-N-U-L-A. Yeah. Fionula? I think so. And Lucasfilm does have their own person called Leland Chi. That's actually his name. (laughs) Not, Not just called it. The funny thing for me is when I think of Burl Ives, I don't think of Frosty. All I think of is the Cheryl and Fenn movie Two Moon Junction. But... <laughs> you know what you were watching as a kid. <laughs> but here he is. Bad adult movie? Let me rephrase that. Bad movie for adults and 